Well, welcome to week two of our fall growth series called Renew. And our theme verse is Romans 12, 2. Why don't you say it with me? Are you ready? One voice, here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, so notice that uh, you've got one of two choices there. Your thought life will either be conformed or it will be transformed. You can either be passive and let your mind just be conformed like everybody else in this world uh, with with their thought life uh, because you've allowed the world to influence the way that you think and allowing unhealthy thought patterns to go on uh, unfiltered in your mind, which actually keeps uh, your mind unsettled and robs you of joy and peace that God wants every believer to walk in. And it keeps you as a person really ineffective and, and living the defeat. And ultimately, it keeps us from having a healthy, growing relationship with God. And uh, so that's choice number one. You can be conformed to the pattern of this world. Or the other choice is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which comes with some amazing benefits, as you know. I mean, like living in God's peace in your life, even when things around you are not that good and circumstances are not good, you still have this peace that surpasses all understanding and you're able to live in victory and you're able to uh, live a life characterized by joy and peace and having a relationship with the Lord that that's thrives and living uh, a life that's kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded, caring more about eternal things rather than the things of this world all because you let God transform you into a new person, as the living, uh, New Living Translation says, a new person by changing the way that you think. And so that's what this series is about. Uh, I wanna take a moment and review our previous week because it just builds on one another. What do we know about the mind? What do we know about our mind? We know that our mind is a battlefield, right? Scripture tells us that Paul has much to say about that, the Apostle Paul. And a lot of Christians do not realize that there is a war that is being waged on our minds and that we're living unaware that our mind is a battlefield. And that's devastating because here's what I've grown to to learn over the years, and I believe that most of you get this as well, that most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Isn't that true? Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Another reason it's so vital that we are aware of the, the battle being waged in our mind is because you cannot change what you do not confront. If you don't confront it, there's no change. So we might as well pack up and go home if we don't confront it. In my opinion, this teaching series is one of the most, if not the most, life-changing teaching series we've ever taught here at Brandywine, but you cannot change unless you confront it. Uh, you've got to get intentional. You can't just be passive and let your mind go where it wants to go. Um, as the Apostle Paul said, we've got to take captive every negative thought, every negative thought, and make it obedient to Christ. So why does that, why does our thoughts matter? Well, it matters because your life 
is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's true. Uh, your mind is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And we've got scriptures that we've been going over that back that up. And science as well backs this up. Uh, but Proverbs 23, seven says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he, so is she. Proverbs uh, 4.23 cautions all of us, and let's read this together, you ready? One voice, ready? Be careful what you think about because your thoughts run your life. And one version says your thoughts shape your life. Wouldn't you agree that there's a lot of stuff out there that we really shouldn't be on our mind? Huh? I mean, stuff that you need to choose not to listen to and you need to choose not to let enter in your mind. And a lot of those things are from the enemy. They're just in our mind going over and over until we really believe them. A lot of those things are we're being influenced by the world and instead of God's truth and, and we begin to believe it. So this series is all about how to be intentional about what gets your attention. Science research reveals, and I, I, this is a review, but again, it builds on each week, but science tells us that many problems from eating disorders to relational challenges, addictions, and even some forms of depression and anxiety are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. This is science. Uh, and that treating those problems begins with changing what we think about. So again, both the scriptures and science are saying the exact same thing. And when scripture and science are saying the exact same thing, I don't know about you, we better listen up, right? The Apostle Paul has been saying this stuff for over 2,000 years. And according to recent science research, here's what happens. When we think a thought in our brain, our brain is creating a new neural pathway, all kinds of different neural pathways. And the more we think a thought, then the easier it is to think that thought again. That's, that's it's true. The more dominant that thought becomes, every time we think about it, it's easier to think about it again. Which is really good news when you think about it, when, when you're thinking of truth. But it's really bad news when you're believing the lies from the enemy, uh, Satan, who's feeding your mind and the unhealthy thought patterns that are feeding your unfiltered mind. That's a bad thing. So today, what I wanna do is talk to you about how to train your mind. Now, maybe you never gave much thought about that before ever, how to train your mind. You might have thought about train, how to train your dog. You may have thought about how to train your body, but maybe you never thought seriously about how to train your mind. Well, the first two points I've given you today are a review from last week, uh, and the second two are actually tools. These are all tools to help you uh, with how to train your mind, and the last two are brand new. Um, how to win the battle in your mind. And here's the deal. Even if I, even if I do a, a bad job in delivering this message today, if you'll just follow the principles, it'll change your life. All right, it's all here, it's all God's word, and it will transform you if you will just apply it. Even if I do a sorry job of delivering it. All right, here we go, number one. Identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. That's number one, that's the first tool. And that's what uh, 
we talked about last week. What stronghold is holding you back? What would you say is the top wrong mindset that's holding you hostage, that's keeping you from going forward and living in freedom? The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have what? Say it with me. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. He says, as Christ followers, you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us as believers in Christ. And he says, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? We sang about it this morning. What is a stronghold? It's a wrong, it's wrong patterns of thinking. It's a lie. Strongholds are a lie that the enemy tells us over and over in our minds. And, and what are some of those lies? Well, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love me. God doesn't listen to my prayers. I've messed up too much. He can never use me. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm never gonna amount to anything. There's nothing uh, I'm gonna ever succeed in. That's a lie from the enemy. I can never be a good mom. I can never be a good dad. I can never have a good marriage. That's the enemy speaking a lie. I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be enough. That's the lies of the enemy. Sound familiar? I mean, Satan is not very creative. It's the same old lies over and over, and yet we believe him because he just keeps saying it over and over until we really believe it. And, and those past neurons just keep going, and we just like, well, that's truth then, because it just geared over and over again. And that's why Paul says in verse 5 that we've got to take captive every negative thought, every lie, and make it obedient to Christ. So my question to you today is what is the dominant lie that Satan has been holding over you? Have you identified that? That was our assignment last week. Identify the lie, identify the stronghold. That was the first uh, part of your assignment. And then uh, because that lie, I mean, we don't have to listen to it. I mean, it's kind of like you, the old saying, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from pooping in your hair. Now, that's kind of a paraphrase, but that's, that's the same. It's true. I mean, you don't have to stand there and get pooped on, right? You can duck. You can move. And even better yet, number two, you can name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. You can name the truth out of God's word that demolishes that stronghold. Find the truth, the truth from God's word that will obliterate that lie. So this is what I encourage you to do if you have not done this already, is to find a verse that combats that lie, that stronghold that the enemy's been holding over you. Find a verse or verses in the Bible, write it down, See, combating the lie with God's truth is what brings transformation. And so find the verse in the Bible that will demolish the lie. Let the truth of God's word begin to renew your mind. And it's kind of like those neural pathways going in your brain. We need to see those as, okay, I used to walk these paths all the time, these lies, not going there anymore. The grass is growing up. Now I'm going on these new new pathways of truth. 
and that's where we find freedom. So your assignment from last week was to identify the lie, replace it with truth. That's the replacement principle. Uh, remove the lies and replace them with truth. So write out what that truth is, if you have not already done it. Find that verse in, in scripture and write it down. You can put it in your pocket, you put it on your, um, your refrigerator, whatever you need to do to look at that every day because John says, you will know the truth and the truth will what? The truth will set you free. All right, those are the first tools to help you win the war in your mind. Uh, identify, remove the lies. Number two, replace them with truth. And then number three, here's two new to, uh, tools for you. Number three is meditate on the truth. Meditate on that truth of God's word. Check out Joshua 1.8. It says, study this book of instruction continually. And look at the next word. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do if you meditate on it. And Proverbs 7 tells us, says the same thing. We're to dwell on the truth of God's word, that we're to write the truth of God's word deep within our hearts. What's that mean, to write the truth of God deep within our hearts? That means we're to internalize it. That uh, we're let that truth in God's word just become a part of who we are. You know, when you cut me, that's what I believe. That's, that's just who I am. And so we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. And but before we do, let me, let me just set the context here. The Apostle Paul is writing this in prison in Rome, all right, while awaiting possible execution. And so this is kind of a worst case scenario. And here's what he said. Paul said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one, one final thing. And let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, one final thing here. I'm in prison and God let me down. He didn't say, I surrendered my life to Christ and look at the rewards I get for it. I, I get thrown in prison. He didn't say that. What did he say? He said, fix your thoughts. Fix your, say that phrase with me, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what? What is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. He didn't say fix your thoughts on all that's gone wrong in this season in your life. He didn't say fix your thoughts on all the horrible circumstances surrounding what's going on. But he said fix your mind on what is good. He said, think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy, worthy of praise. I love the way the King James Version says it. It says, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, what do we do? Say it out loud. We meditate on these things. We meditate on these things. Now, some of you right now may be thinking, meditation, really? I mean, isn't meditation some weird new age hogwash where you cross your arms and your legs, you know, uh, like in the Lion King or what is his name, and become one, one with the universe. Well, that's one kind of meditation. I'm going to show you a biblical way to meditate from Scripture. First, what is a definition of meditation? 
A simple definition is this, to engage in mental exercise to focus one's thoughts. It just means to focus. Scripture gives many examples of godly people meditating on the things that are true, that are lovely, that are admirable and excellent, meditating on the truth of God's Word. Again, Joshua 1.8, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night. In other words, focusing my mind on, what, on the truth of God's Word, training my mind to see God's truth. You know, Christian meditation is just the exact opposite of Eastern meditation. In Eastern meditation, you, you do what? You empty your mind, uh, so fill in the word there, empty, and try to focus on nothing and just get into a state of calm and such. But in Christian meditation, biblical meditation, instead of emptying your mind, what do you do? You actually fill your mind with truth, right? You, you fix your mind on God's truth, His Word, and you learn to focus your mind on the right things. You know, some of you meditate all the time, you don't realize it. Uh, you worry. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Isn't that true? Worry is, is simply negative meditation. When you worry, you take a negative thought and you go over and over and over in your mind. So biblical meditation is training your mind to focus on the right things and truth. Learning to focus on the right things is a skill. To quote the great theologian Jackie Chan, he said this in, in, the, in the movie Karate Kid, he said, quote, your focus needs more focus. Your focus needs more focus. And some of you right now, if you're really honest, you'd have to say, you know what? My life is not characterized by peace in my mind, in my heart, and joy. Um, and the reason is, your focus needs more focus. If you're a believer in Christ, there's no reason why you can't walk in this truth and experience the presence of God and peace in your life, no matter what's going on in circumstances around you. But if it's not there, it's because you're allowing your mind to dwell on the wrong things. And you're allowing, you're believing something that is not true. The enemy's speaking into your ear. You've been influenced by the world. The apostle Paul says, you need to fix your mind on the things that are true and right. And our minds do not just, think about this, our minds don't just naturally drift toward what, that which is true. It, I mean, we generally drift toward our own insecurities. We, our minds naturally drift toward fears and worst case scenarios and the lies that the enemy have been telling us for many years. Oh, you'll, you'll never be good enough. You'll never amount to anything. Your life is too messed up. God can never love you. God can never use all those lies. And the way that we win the battle in our mind is to feed our mind on God's truth and meditate on it. Uh, when should I do this? Well, the answer is all the time. Throughout the day, morning, noon, night. You know, dietitians will tell us that the best way to eat is to just eat a little bit every couple hours rather than eating big meals and then go long hours without eating again. It's best to eat a little bit constantly all throughout the day. And it's the same when it comes to feeding on God's truth. 
If you're constantly feeding on truth, then your mind's gonna be renewed, you're, you're gonna ch it's gonna change the way you think, and it's gonna change your life. So, number four, the fourth tool that's gonna help um, train your mind and help you win the war uh, in your mind is called reframing, reframing. And number four, reframe how you look at a situation and trust that God is at work. If you're a believer in Christ, this is, a, this is such a powerful principle. And it's taken from uh, Craig Groeschel's book, Winning the War in Your Mind, although he got it from scripture, <laughs> from Paul. Uh, but it's called re the reframe principle. The reframe principle. Last week we looked at a principle out of Groeschel's book called the replacement principle, all right? Take the, take the lie, identify it, and replace it with truth. This is the reframe principle. And here's, here's a simple definition of reframing. Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship. It's not that the facts are different, it's how you frame it, all right? It's your perspective. It's simply creating a different way of interpreting or looking at a situation. It's not that the facts are different, it's just how you frame it. You see, you can't always control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. And the Apostle Paul, I mean, when you think of, you know, how, how we are to train our mind, he's a master. Of, and Paul had, obviously, if you've read anything about the Apostle Paul, you know he had a great heart for God. And his number one goal in life was just to serve God and to please God and to head to Rome so that the, the, the gospel will continue to be spread and preach the gospel. And he knew if he could reach the people in Rome, that that would be a strategic place to help spread the gospel all over the world. So Paul was focused, you know, he's like, I'm going to Rome, I'm gonna go preach the word. Many people are gonna to come to Christ and it's gonna affect the world. So this is his dream, his, his great desire, his calling, go to Rome, help spread the good news of Jesus. But instead, he, and he gets there, instead of preaching on the streets, what happens? He gets thrown in prison, you know? He gets locked up, he's on house arrest. He's awaiting possible execution. And everything that Paul's hoping for to happen, he gets just the opposite. This is not good, right? Again, you can't always control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Now, Paul could have framed the situation one of two ways, right? He could have framed it with a negative side. And Paul could have went, went the way of a whiner and framed his situation that way. As we look at Philippians uh, 1, 12, 13, let me give you the whiners, the new whiners version. Okay, this is what Paul could have said, the New Winers version. Paul could have said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really, really stinks. As a result of the hell I've been going through, I'm quitting life group and never going back to church. That's the New Winers version, all right? But that's not what Paul said. Paul chose to reframe his situation, and this is actually what he said. In, in Philippians 1, he says, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become 
clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Even though it looks like nothing good has happened around me, I begin to look and see where God is at work. And I begin to reframe my whole situation, Paul says, and it's clear to everyone else that I'm actually, I'm in chains for Christ. And what's happening? I'm locked up, I'm chained to a Roman guard eight hours a day, and every eight hours I get a new guard. Who do you think's really the prisoner here? You know, Paul's like, I get to preach to a captive audience. They can't even go anywhere, they're chained to me. And I get a new influential person every eight hours who has to sit there and listen to my eight hour sermons on how good Jesus is. (laughs) Verse, Verse 14 says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I mean, it just did something to people's hearts. It's like, look, Paul's, Paul's the man. Check out what he's doing. He, and he's reframed. It's not that the facts are different, it's how you frame it. Reframing, reframing is such a great tool to help you if you apply this in winning the battle in your mind. Your life may very well have some serious things going on in it. I mean, there may be some bad stuff happening, some complications going on in your life right now. But, but, and I don't mean to belittle them, but guess what? All of us do, huh? Every one of us, I mean, All of us have bad stuff going on in our lives. In fact, there's not a single person who's ever breathed on this planet that hasn't had some stuff, whether it be stuff with your family, whether it be stuff with your kids, whether it be stuff with your neighbors, whether it be stuff with the people you work with. You have stuff, I've got stuff. All God's children have stuff, all right? And it may be bad doctor report stuff, it may be fighting your spouse stuff, it may be financial problem stuff, it may be fear stuff. It may be bad news in your family stuff, it may be bad news in your extended family stuff. But for the most part, wouldn't you agree that our lives are pretty good? And yeah, we get some bad stuff every once in a while, but most of the time, it's the smaller stuff that robs us of our joy and our peace of mind. Isn't that true? That's why you need to learn to reframe your story and your relationships like Paul did there in prison. It's not that he was sitting there with rose-colored glasses. He knew exactly, I'm I'm waiting execution possibly here. But he's like, hey, got to work. Let's see what he's gonna do with this, you know? And he began to reframe his story And here are three specific tools that can help you train your mind and win the war in your mind. All right, Uh, three very simple tools. The first one is when you find yourself dealing with difficult stuff and circumstances going on in your life, it's to do this. Number one, thank God for what did not happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. I'll give you an example of this. There was a 20 year old girl who told her parents, mom and dad, I got some really bad news to tell you. 20 20 year old girl. And she's like, mom, dad, I need you to sit down. And she said, let me tell you the whole story. And I just want you to stay calm, but it's really bad news. I went out to a bar. I met a guy. 
We drank too much. He came back to my apartment, we hooked up. I'm embarrassed to say I'm pregnant. The good news is that his probation will be over in a year and he's gonna start looking for a job and once he's out of rehab, he'll consider marrying me. But since we can't afford to get married right now, he's just gonna move in for now. And then she just kind of let it hang for a moment. And then she said, actually, none of that's true. The truth is I got a D on my chemistry exam. <laughs> and I just wanted to, you to know that it could have been a whole lot worse. There, there are times when you ought to thank God for what didn't happen. Amen? Isn't that right? So instead of just focusing on all that's wrong and the bad circumstances all around me, focus on thanking God for what didn't happen. It may be a car accident. You know, one of the kids had a fender bender. And, there's, and, then, and your first thought is, oh, no, the insurance is going to go up. What a hassle. Uh, there's going to be a high deductible. Or you can say, you know what? Thank God that it wasn't worse than it was. Nobody got hurt, you know? Thank God it, was, it, it really wasn't that big a deal. In the whole scheme of things, sometimes there are some things that are a big deal. But most of the time, isn't it those things that are not such a big deal that derail us. They're the ones that end up derailing us. They're the, the times that we just kind of, sometimes we just need to step back and look with a broader perspective instead of focusing on all the bad and say, God, I want to thank you for what didn't happen. And that makes all the difference. It's reframing. The second one, number two, the second thing you can do is, is what we call practicing pre-framing, pre-framing. Pre-framing is deciding how you'll frame the situation before you engage in the situation, before you even go into it. Why does that matter? Well, again, Scripture backs us up because our thoughts often shape what we experience. Um, let's say you've got a meeting with this person that you perceive as being a very difficult person to deal with and you have been dreading the meeting, and the truth is, here, here's the truth, if you think you're gonna have a bad meeting, you're probably gonna have a bad meeting, right? But if you go into that meeting instead saying, you know what, I've been praying, I believe in God's gonna be at work here, and we're just gonna do our best, we're just gonna believe the best and try to make it productive meeting and make some progress, and, and man, it's, it's pre-framing, it's gonna be a lot better. The way you preframe it changes how you perceive it. And the problem a lot of times is that we end up preframing our failure before we even have a meeting. So make it a goal to preframe it and walk in believing and God's at work here. And so what can we do? Number one, we can thank God for what didn't happen. Number two, we can preframe a situation. And the third thing, the last one here this morning is look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness because I promise you, you will always find what you're looking for. Isn't that true? If you look for good, you'll find good. If you look for bad, you're going to find bad. You know, if you want to see what's wrong with every single day, then you'll find what's wrong every single day. 
If you want to not like people, if you want to not like Christians, you'll find a ton of reason not to like people, not to like Christians. But if you look, if you want to look for God's goodness, oh, you're going to find it every time. His goodness, I don't know about you, but his goodness has been chasing after me. And just like the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird, I mean, what does a vulture find? Every day a vulture flies around and does, what does a vulture find? It finds dead stuff, stinky, you know, roadkill. What does a hummingbird find? Every day a hummingbird finds sweet things, right? And I promise you, you'll always find what you're looking for. If you wanna see what's wrong and what's bad and what's not working and what's wrong in the world, and you can live a really depressed, negative life. But if you want to get your mind right and walk in God's truth, if you want to look and see where God is at work, you'll find that, you know what? My God's still on the throne. You know what? God is still a good God. He's a powerful God. He still answers prayer. He's in control. You may not see it, but he's at work. In the counseling world, it's called cognitive reframing. But if you want to take it to a whole new level, Simply, simply say, it's going, I'm going to let Jesus help me decide the meaning of this situation. I'm going to let Jesus frame a, uh, the solution for me, all right? And you'll go to a whole new level. So I want to encourage you today. I really believe the Holy Spirit's been at work, and he's been speaking to some of you. And some of you came in, and you... All you've seen is just the horrible around you. And you haven't stopped to see, well, where's God and where is he at work? Some of you feel distant from God today and you can leave here, I'm telling you, you can leave here different. A heart that is free, a heart, a mind that is, is being renewed in God's truth and walk in his presence and experience the joy of the Lord, even when circumstances around you, like Paul in prison, doesn't look good. You can start singing praises. That's my prayer for you. So wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, let's just bow our head right now. Father God, thank you for the, the truth of your word. And Father, I pray right now that you would give us eyes to see your faithfulness. Give us eyes to see your goodness and your grace at work, even in when, I've, when we face difficult situations. And Lord, help us to begin to reframe some of the things that are going on right now that's in our life. Bad stuff, difficult stuff. God, renew my mind. Some of us are going through some really hard stuff right now. We're disappointed, we're afraid. So God, help us to see you in it. Help us to see where you're at work. Help us to see your goodness, to sense and to walk in your presence. Renew our minds, Lord. Help us to do your will in all that we do. Help us to reframe our perspective and look for you in all things. Again, if you're feeling distant from the Lord, you, 
you walked away from him. He doesn't do that. You walked away from him. But you want to restore that relationship. You want to make it right. And some of you this morning, you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're like Heather was last week, and you're, you could leave here changed. You say, well, I don't see God working in my life. Well, there's a reason for that. The Bible says he works all things out for good to those who love him, who have him in their life, a relationship. And if you don't have that, you can have that. You may not have God in your life right now. You don't have a relationship with God. But let me tell you how much he loves you right now. Let me tell you that. Jesus gave his life on the cross for you. And the Bible says God raised Jesus from the dead so that anyone, that's you, anyone who calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be forgiven, and that you'll be able to be made brand new. And so for those of you today who want to say yes to Jesus, yes, I want a right relationship with him, I want to be forgiven of my sins. If that's your prayer, just say in your heart and mind right now, say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. Fill me with your spirit and make me new. My life is not mine. I give it to you. So Lord, change me, renew me, and cleanse my heart. Direct my steps. I surrender my life completely to you. Use me, Lord, to show your love to others. And God, I pray right now over your believers. I pray that you would help us to create new paths of thinking and to remove the lies, identify the lies, and replace them with your truth. And God, help us to write that truth down, that verse, and to meditate on that until our minds are completely renewed and we walk in victory. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we celebrate big time what God is doing? Uh